Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 155. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, Chuck Beck. Chuck, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm always ready. (laughs) I know you are. So great to have you here. Chuck Beck has built numerous projects from dragsters to race cars to street cars and much more. And he's renowned among automotive enthusiasts for his 550 Spider, a replica of the iconic Porsche 550 Spider from the 50s. He started producing the cars in 1982 and built 2,500 of those wonderful cars. And I'm proud to say I owned one of those. And in 1990, Chuck jointly developed a Shogun concept car and produced a competitive race car with his replica of the Lister. And in 1998, he developed the Beck 904 prototype, which is a replica coupe based on the original Porsche Carrera GTS that they launched in 1963. Chuck continues to spend most of his time in the shop playing with cars, building cars, and more recently, we'll learn about this, he built a motorcycle powered by a Lamborghini engine. Yes, you heard that right. So Chuck, your history with cars goes way back after you got out of the Air Force in 1958. Could you talk a little bit about some of the projects that you built over your years of time moving up towards the 550 Spider? Well, actually, I started when I was in the Air Force back in, I guess, 56, built my first tube frame midship car. Then over the years, uh, sixty, we did a, I did a Devon Chevy and many Chevy Healy conversions and four hundred nine powered Jaguar one twenties and got off into off road racing while I worked for Shelby in sixty six seven on the GT forty J car program and then worked for Hooker, designing some off-road cars, and then went out on my own, myself and another fellow, and started a company called Funco and pretty well owned the desert for some period of time. And early 70s, got off into, well, I'd been flying, and I got off into building an experimental airplane and later on modifying some planes. And then uh, in the early 80s, uh, 
I was looking for a 904 Porsche that I could get my hands on to copy and ran across a 910 project. Did some rebodies of 910s, built molds, all that bit. Then got involved in the 550, built that car just sort of because I thought it was a neat little car. Something would be relatively simple to build. And we've done about 2,500 of them since the early 80s. Wow, yeah. (laughs) Holy cow. It's been a pretty good project. And then uh, early 90s, I had uh, a group contact me. They had the name Lister, and they wanted me to reskin a Corvette. Immediately, I thought about the old Lister Nobly from the 50s and tried to get them to do that, but they didn't want to. So I reskinned the Corvette for them the way they wanted, and uh, later, maybe 94, built the first Nobly, and, uh, which was a very, very fast, good handling car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did the Shogun, which was the Shotaurus powered Ford Festiva in 90, I guess. And, uh, then in the late nineties, finally got around to building the prototype 904, went to, um, Avanti in the first of 03. I took a job there and reskinned the Mustang to look like an Avanti for them. And then went back to the 904 project and uh, we built about 30 of those and I sold the project about a year ago. My my main love and interest is the R&D part of the game and the testing. Once, once that's over, you know, the day-to-day going well enough, number 49 chassis just doesn't excite me a heck of a lot. Yeah, so, no, I understand. You know. Well, considering your history my gosh, you have had your hands on so many different things. It's just amazing. And I didn't realize just how many things that you have worked on and projects you've worked on. And I follow you on Facebook and I see pictures of you in your shop. And I can tell that's where you're really having fun is creating things and building things. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those projects in a minute. But I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. You've been a car guy forever, it seems like. But is there a pivotal moment? that you remember in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? <laughs> it's funny. When I was a kid, my dad was uh, he was an aircraft mechanic by profession, but uh, as a hobby racer. And, uh, you know, that put us in contact with some of the guys that later on became well-known. Richard Petty and I are about the same age, and his dad and my dad used to race each other with an old six-cylinder Plymouth and a six-cylinder Chevy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Stuff, stuff like that. But uh, the one thing I said I never wanted to be was a mechanic. Mm-hmm. And basically, I've spent my life being a mechanic, but, <laughs> you know, not not the everyday go go to work and work on somebody else's car. It's been you know, more or less designing and building new projects and occasionally a project where we actually take something else and modify it, like the like the Shogun. We took the Festiva, and by the time we got through about the only thing left was the body skin. <laughs> but, you know, we started with something there, but it's it's much more fun to start with a clean place in the floor and build a car yeah, yeah. or plane or whatever you're building. 
Well, when you were a kid, would you say that's when the the car bug really struck you, or was it later after you got out of the Air Force? Have you just have you always just loved cars? No, it just it always. My dad was as far back as I can remember. You know, my dad was into it, and uh, it just. It seemed like the thing to do. <laughs> you could, you know, it's like I tell my kids. I, I tell them if you find something you love to do, get good at it. Somebody will pay you to do it. There you go. I don't care if it's playing a guitar or playing with cars. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Great. Uh, great advice. Well, Chuck, what I love to do now is take a look at. Maybe some or one of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood here, get our hands dirty, something you're certainly not afraid of doing. We all face huge challenges or great failures in our life. Is there one in particular through all your different careers, and maybe it has to do with building those 2,500 spiders, that was a real challenge for you? But more importantly, how did you overcome it, and what did you learn from that experience? Actually... I was fortunate enough, I guess, to stumble through and get it pretty well right the first time. I, you know, that question, uh, I, I, it kind of leaves me without an answer because <laughs> before I'll start a project, I don't ask the question until I have the answer. Ah, okay. And And I haven't spent a lot of time you know, watching the ball game or wasting my time doing stuff like that. When I was in the military, I spent my spare time, you know, taking classes toward something that I thought would be beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. And later on, and uh, trying to learn about the things that I was interested in and not wasting any time on things that uh, had no interest to me. Sure. I guess, you know, consequently, you'd call me a pretty pretty dull guy in some respect, but <laughs> at least in my game, I, I, I think I know most of the answers. Sure, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, maybe we shift gears a little bit here, and, you know, the, the 550 project that you started in 82 obviously was a, a nice success for you because of the number of cars you built. You found out there was an there was a market out there of people that wanted these. I'm a good example. I really wanted one of those cars. Is there a moment or an aha moment you had with that project that you can think about that you went, you know what, I think this is a good path to go down. This is going to be a winner. Well, you know, I built a prototype, uh, and I played with that, and it was fun. One of my customers on the 910 project had one. You know, I said, this this is a fun toy, duplicated. So I did. and uh, But I never thought of it much as a serious car, because if you're playing one on 910, a, a 550 is, is a pretty primitive piece. But uh, the little car kept on just amazing me at what it would do or what you could make it do. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to set it into production... I took off on the thing, and I was talking to an airport buddy one day, and he goes, do you really think anyone's going to buy these things? (laughs) I told him, I said, man, people love the little car. They'll stand on top of Ferrari to look at this thing, and 
you know, I said, I'll bet you I'll sell 50 of the damn things. <laughs> and uh, 2,500 later, they're still selling. So I guess I was, I was wrong. I <laughs> underestimated the project by quite a bit. Oh, gosh, yes. You know, in fact, I had a guest on yesterday who has a little 550 replica, too, and he and I shared the same kind of passion. That car has such a history with Porsche people, but it is a fun car. You get in that car, and it's just you you get into a different state of mind, and it certainly was a a success for you for all those years. In fact, you probably won't remember this, but we when we first met, I met you while waiting in line to get into Laguna Seca during the historics. You were parked in front of me. They hadn't opened the gates yet, and I was just lusting after your car walked up and realized it was you sitting in the driver's seat, and you were kind enough to spend quite a bit of time telling me all about that car and, and walking me through your thoughts and processes. So little did I know that many, many years later, it's probably, that's probably was 15, 17, 18 years ago that we'd be talking today. So uh, you touched a lot of lives, Chuck, with that vehicle, definitely. How about proudest moments in your career and your business? I'm sure you've had many, many, but is there one in particular that stands out in your mind? Well, you know, it's difficult. It's it's like girlfriends, I suppose. Every <laughs> new project is is something new and different, and it makes you feel good to show up with a little Wee Volkswagen and slap Cobras around on the road course and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I think one of the best things, uh, you know, in my career, I've met a lot of very good, top-of-the-line race people, car people. And I mm-hmm. worked for Phil Remington when I was at Shelby there, which I wow. think was one of one of our smartest boys out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and... And like 2003 at Monterey, he had three or four guys with him, and they walked up to one of my listers I had there. And Phil was looking it over, and he finally turned to me and says, Chuck, I don't think you missed a trick. This oh, is wow. great. <laughs> and to have a man like that, who I I think was great, to come up to you and say something like that, uh, it, that, hey, I, I don't care. That boosts your ego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, of course, I I responded with my usual smart remark. I said, working for an asshole like you and my dad, what would you expect, Phil? And they both <laughs> got a big laugh out of it. But, <laughs> you know, he knew where I was coming from. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned to me when we were talking a couple days ago, you also... Did you work a little bit with uh, Peter Brock when you were at Shelby? Was he there at the not same time? With, not, not with Pete there. He was, he was there and around. And when I first got closer to Pete, so to speak, was through uh, Rick Titus, who I think you know. And um, anyway, Rick I'd met somewhere back in the early 80s when we first started playing with the 550, and uh, we became friends. As a matter of fact, he's the guy who got all the connections for the Shogun project going with Ford, you know, we're still good friends. And (laughs) even after all of these silly things we've done, Oh yeah. um, You know, Rick drove my 550 and a couple of three events here and there and some Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, well, Pete had one of your 550 spiders as well. I was uh, visiting his home last year and he had one in his shop garage there in uh, Henderson. Let's have a little bit of fun here, Chuck. What was your first really special car? 
a car that really had a lot of meaning to you. It could be a project car that you did since you've done so many, and maybe you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Probably my first was my Devon. I built a Chevy-powered space tube frame. I was in the late 80s, or excuse me, uh, late 50s, uh, 58. I was in Anahuita for a bomb testing while I was in the military, Mm -hmm. and it gave me a lot of spare time sitting out there to think about things. So when I got back, I got a Devon body, some inch and a quarter, 4130, and went to work and built about a 1,400-pound 302 Chevy-powered car, and as usual, the biggest cam, the most compression, (laughs) the most carburetors I could find and put this thing together. And, you know, I was 22 years old or something at the time, and this was one of the fastest streetcars you're going to find anywhere. Even by today's standards, it would be quick. So, you know, and, well... Over the years, all of the toys, you, you're proud of them. The Devons were so cool, and so many different things were done with those vehicles by so many different people, but that one you built uh, was a monster. That's very cool. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've had in your life that you let go that you really wish you could have back? Uh, not a heck of a lot. Now, I had an opportunity to buy the Shogun prototype back here four or five years ago, and I bought it back, and but usually, you know, once the testing and and uh, playing is over, eh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Looking forward to the next project is a lot more fun. Right, right. It's it's back to the same thing. It's like the old girlfriend, eh, <laughs> you know. Oh, you're funny. How about current projects? I talked at the beginning here about something that you just built that is just crazy crazy wild and that's that motorcycle you built can you share a little bit about what you've done here with this motorcycle with a lamborghini engine well when i got rid of the 904 project i had uh, you know some spare time on my hands so and i collected up this lamborghini v12 motor out of an old car that had a cockpit fire and so i decided that i'd do something with it in my little V6 Maserati and made a dining room table, so oh, wow. <laughs> I needed something that I could ride, and a motorcycle seemed like the logical thing, so I tore the engine down to see what I really had, because it had been sitting for 25 years, and oh, actually the thing was in amazingly good shape inside, so I freshened it up, put it back together, collected an old Kawasaki that had been dropped and got the front forks and rear wheel and this that and the other and went got me some tubing and put it on the table and started trying to get everything lined up and make a motorcycle out of it yeah actually the you know i don't know what the actual weight is it's it's fairly heavy it probably weighs right at a thousand pounds but Mm -hmm. so, so it's heavy moving it around slow but once you're doing five miles an hour it just feels like a regular motorcycle. It it feels good and handles good. I've never run the thing fast, and I'm sure I probably never will, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, Let someone else do that, okay? <laughs> you know, it's... I'm <laughs> I'm getting more brittle than I used to be. <laughs> oh, we all are, Chuck. We all are. Hey, what kind of Lamborghini did that come out of? 
What model? An Espada. An Espada. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, listeners can go to the web and find pictures on YouTube of that, that vehicle. I was showing some to my dad last night. He's visiting right now, and he just looked at me and looked and said, oh, my goodness, that thing's crazy. So, yeah, what a fun project. Your imagination is still very brilliant, Chuck. <laughs> it's fantastic. Now, here's a funny question for you, and I'm really anxious to hear how you answer this. If Chuck Beck was a car, what kind of car would Chuck be and why? I don't know. I'd be an, <laughs> XK, an XKE with an Allison engine. Oh, wow. Okay, well, tell me a little bit why you choose that. I'm really intrigued here because you've had your hands on so many projects. So an XKE with an Allison engine. What well, is you it? Gotta be got to be looking good and be powerful. Oh, okay. Uh, perfect. <laughs> perfect answer. I love that. I love that. That's really cool. Okay, Chuck, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off, a, fire off a couple questions for you, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you can give to somebody? Take up another hobby. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's an ordinary answer I expected. <laughs> if, if you get involved, it totally possesses you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, you know, it, it puts a strain on the family, your relationships with your friends, etc. Uh, I don't know my neighbors on either side of me. I've lived here for 11 years. My friends are people who are associated with... Uh, the game that I'm involved in, and they're yeah. scattered from one side of the planet to the other, I guess. Oh, yeah. Really. You know, those are the people that I think of as friends and call occasionally or vice versa. So it affects your, you, you've got to have an understanding wife yeah. to, <laughs> yes. to, to live this sort of thing. And, uh, so it makes, it makes for a, in a lot of respects, a difficult life. Yeah, but but a fulfilling one in the sense that you're doing what you're passionate about. So that's fantastic. Is there a personal habit that you feel you have that has contributed to, to what you've done in your life? I mean, to me, you seem like a very tenacious, focused person. Well, as a kid, my father, you know, got home from work at four o'clock. And since he was involved in racing and you know, our family income was average income, being a sole service mechanic. But for additional funds, he was always buying extra cars. He'd buy a couple of year old car and from someone at a deal. My job was to clean it up and market it and make extra money, which supported his hobby. And it was something that I guess kind of got me involved into uh, the car game too. Sure. I have another quick question for you. The 904 project, when you got involved with that, what was it about that car that intrigued you? I mean, the the 550, you shared a little bit about that. Can can you share a little bit about the 904 and why you why you got involved with that car? When I left Shelby in 67, you know, when the project was over there, I came back to Florida where I grew up. And I'd always loved the looks of the 904, but it was far beyond what I could afford. So there was a 904 sitting in a shop, less than 4,000 miles on it. The engine was on the on the bench with the heads off, and the 
ports were completely full of carbon. Someone had bought it for his kid for a college car, and he had put it around on the street, and it had just totally carboned up. They offered to sell it for four grand. I didn't have any cash on me or, you know, or a checkbook or anything. So I said, look, let me give you a deposit. I'll uh, send the money to my father. He can pick the car up. I called them as soon as I got back to the West Coast, and they said, somebody came along and paid 4200 for that car. They didn't oh. hold it for me. Oh. And it kind of pissed me, and I, I hold a grudge for a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> I finally decided in the late 70s, early 80s, I'll just build one. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And make it make it more powerful with bigger brakes and more, yeah. you know so that's kind of the way the 904 came about i know that it's difficult to compare the two but since i've driven a 550 spider what's the experience like in comparison in some ways to the 904 i know that typically they put 911 engines so you're going to have more power and so forth but have you driven a real 904 and then is there a comparison to the ones you're building the real 904 was a uh, light nimble race car our car actually comes out a couple of hundred pounds heavier because we're running a much stiffer chassis we're running a, a thicker body so that if someone sits on it they don't hurt mm-hmm. hurt it in other words we tried to civilize the car for the street a little bit our suspension is actually a little more modern works a little better than the original mm-hmm. we run a bigger brake a 911 brake bigger tires and wheels and a lot more power so the, our cars are much much faster cars but there's really no comparison with the 550 it's you know one is a, a hopped up vw hot rod really mm-hmm. and the other one is a fairly modern thoroughbred race car yeah now, you said you sold the business. Are the cars still being built now? Yes. The people who uh, I sold the 550 Project to back in the early 2000s are doing the cars now. I'm assisting them with some stuff now and then. And uh, actually, my son is up working with them, and they're producing the cars currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just at, at my age, going to the shop every day and and doing the same thing over and over. I was kind of bored and had an opportunity to bail out, so I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Where are those cars? uh, What's the company name now? Is it still under Beck, or is it under a different name? It's Inter-America, and they're in Bremen, Indiana. Okay, great. And how about the 904s? Same company? Yeah, same company. Okay, great. Awesome. And on the the computer thing, it's... uh, it's all under deck uh, cars, I think. Okay, that's where people can find them. Good. Well, I'll remind our listeners that uh, you can go to carsyad.com slash Chuck Beck, and I'll put those references right on his show notes page. All right, Chuck, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but money is no object, I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be, and why? A nine seventeen thirty. Ah, yeah, that was quick. You knew exactly what you wanted. A well, nine seventeen. Oh yes, yes. Well, tell me about your passion for that car. Well, I, I in sixty nine, I had a T one sixty Lola, probably the best one sixty out there. It was the car that Charlie Parsons had raced in sixty eight for Haas. We ran it in sixty nine, but it was a year old car at that point, so obviously it wasn't that competitive anymore 
but the 917.30 was the ultimate sports car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was still, it was a two-seat sports car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of stretching it, but it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, uh, just a little bit of a stretch there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that would be the ultimate car to own. Yeah, oh, yeah, fantastic choice, wonderful choice. Well, Chuck, you've taken me on a great ride today. I'm just so happy to have been able to talk with you here on Cars Yeah and enjoyed your stories. I'm sure we could sit for hours and talk about all the things you've done, but I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you give the Cars Yeah listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche? Well, if we're talking about a project, figure everything you're going to do before you start. Have every nut, bolt, and screw in your mind before you start. Mm-hmm. This way you don't do any backing up and a project can go together real quick. Yes. I thought about the 550, for example, for quite some time. I put the project together in four months from the time that I said I'm going to do it mm-hmm. until we had the first production car sitting in a car show. So, Think it through. Do your homework. Do your homework before you start. If you start in the middle and get halfway through and realize these parts aren't available, uh, this I don't have access to, to do it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then you spend years on a project, and uh, so many projects winds up in someone's garage collecting dust yeah. for 30 years. Well, as a guy who has definitely followed his passion for cars his whole life, how about a word of advice for maybe some of those young entrepreneurs starting off in their careers to to chase their dream in cars. Any words of wisdom there from you? There again, do your homework. Make mm-hmm. sure you're capable of doing and you're willing to put out the effort that it takes because it does take a lot of effort. Yeah. And I stress a lot of effort to and commitment to put it together, whether it's building slot cars or going to Le Mans, winning Le Mans. Sure. It takes a lot of planning. Absolutely. What's the best way for people to learn a little bit more about what you're doing. Do you have a website now, or is it your Facebook page, or how can people keep up with what Chuck's up to these days? My wife has the uh, vet cars at msn.com that she plays around on the computer with. Okay. Uh, un- unfortunately, I don't play with the computer. But there's a, you know, she's always putting stuff on. Okay. All right. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links again to everything that Chuck has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Chuck Beck. Chuck, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for taking some time outside of the shop. I know you'd much prefer to be in the shop playing with cars and bikes and things, but I really appreciate your time today. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. And thanks. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.